and welcome to the third episode of Super Friends. I have AJ Kerrigan with me today. How are you doing, AJ? Good. Did I say your last name correctly? Yep. All okay. Good. So, AJ, um, you guys might recognize AJ from the Star City Edison, where he was uh, one of the feature matches in round three, I believe. And he was playing uh, Ant Combo. And I think the thing that surprised a lot of people was that he is very young. AJ is 13, and he was playing an incredibly complicated deck, and people seem to really be interested in uh, who this guy was and learning more. So hopefully we're going to find out some things about AJ. Um, what I wanted to start with, AJ, is how did you start Magic? How did you get into it? Well, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! at my local game store for approximately like six or seven years, and I eventually stopped enjoying that, so... I turned to other games, miniature games and stuff, and I eventually found Magic, which I really enjoyed. So you said you stopped enjoying Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, did it get boring, or were you just looking for a different type of game? Well, one of the reasons I quit was that I wasn't really that good at it. And also, I just stopped really enjoying it. Like, it became boring. I didn't really like I didn't think any of the new cards coming out were that cool. I thought the game just got repetitive and boring. So, I haven't actually ever gotten a chance to play Yu-Gi-Oh! What's the uh, major difference between Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic? Um, probably the first thing that sticks out in my mind is the fact that you don't have lands. Because every turn you play one creature, and you have certain creatures you have to stack other creatures to be able to play. And I just thought it wasn't very skill-intensive. Okay. So, it's like, um, did you ever play Duel Masters when Wizards put that out? I actually did for a few months. So that's kind of the, the lands work the same way as it does in Duel Masters? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So when you first started playing Magic, uh, what did you like about it? Um, I really liked the fact that there was a lot more thought into it. And I, I liked a lot of the players that played Magic a little more. I was, they were a lot friendlier, I felt. Um, what was the first set? Uh, what set was out when you first started playing Magic? Like, What did you learn with? The first set, the first time I ever played Magic was the Shards of Alara pre-release. Okay. Um, do you remember what you ended up playing? Um, a little bit. I actually ended up doing really well in my I came in like second place, and I learned how to play the game like five days before that, just reading the rule book. <laughs> I had played some random five-color, 60-card draft deck because I had no idea how to build the deck. But some of my friends helped me a little bit, but I tried to do it on my own. So, how did you feel about uh, Sealed, like the uh, deck building process? Because I know some people really like Sealed, and other people don't like it very much. Um, back then, when I first started playing, I really enjoyed it, because I felt that I didn't have to have a lot of cards, nor did I have to have a super amount of skill to be able to play it. It was, a lot, it was one of the easier formats to get into, and I really enjoyed the deck building process. Um, what format do you like the best? Legacy. Legacy? What is it about Legacy that you like? Do you like the card pool that's available to you? Do you like the decks that are available? What is it about Legacy that appeals to you? I think the reason I like Legacy most is I like it better than every other format. Like, I don't really enjoy Standard. I don't think it's a very good format. Um, and Legacy, I just like the larger card pool. There's a lot more assortment of decks you can choose from. Uh, so what is it about... Before I want to talk to you a little bit more about Legacy, but what is it about Standard that you don't like? It's just the smaller size? I really just dislike that how certain cards run the format, like Jason Mind Sculptor or Primeval Titan. I just, I just don't like how you have to own $100 cards to be able to do well in that format. 
and you have to constantly buy new $100 cards, at least Legacy. Every deck plays those $100 cards, so it's not certain decks. So you can easily transfer them over to other decks, and you never have to buy new ones unless you want to build another deck. So getting involved in Legacy is a little bit, you're, you're correct that it's expensive once, but then usually you don't have to pay for it again. How, was it pretty hard for you to get involved in Legacy, like price-wise? Um, well, when I first started Legacy, I decided I wanted to build, like I knew the dual lands were kind of expensive, and I was picking a deck, and the first deck I actually picked was Ninjas, which was pretty bad. <laughs> I My friends decided that, like, Storm was a pretty good deck, because I was a pretty smart kid, a pretty tough deck to play. And also, it only played, like, three dual lands. It wasn't expensive compared to a lot of the other decks. So, did you know that you wanted to get into building ants? Like, did you come up with that on your own because you had seen it played and you liked it? Or did someone you know have it and they taught you how to play it? Well, um, at one point, my friend just randomly said, why don't you play Storm? Because he said it's a skill-intensive deck and it would probably be something that fits my style. And I said, well, let me try it. And I had a friend here who played Storm. So I watched him play for a little bit, and I practiced up the deck, and I played it, and I really enjoyed it. Um, when you first started playing it, was Mystical Tutor still in the format, or was this after the banning? Yes, Mystical Tutor was still in the format. I played it for, I think, like, maybe four or five months before Mystical Tutor got banned. Do you think that it was uh, the right call to ban Mystical Tutor? Well, I really actually can't answer that, because when I first got into it, it was still when I was first, like, understanding Legacy. So I, couldn't, I didn't really know why they banned it. I, from what I've heard, I guess it was pretty good. So I, I didn't like it because that means I had to spend more money for new cards. <laughs> so it worked out for you. Yeah. So what was the process? Uh, what was the process you went through to learn how to play that deck? Because it is a complicated deck with a lot of choices. I watched my friend play it for like a month or two. Just watched him do all the different things. And eventually when I started playing it by myself and talking it up, I had my friend stand by me and, like, say, well, you can do this and this, and that'll go off. Or you have to wait a turn. It's better to do this. And he just slowly explained all the different steps. And eventually it was just kind of, like, paid by numbers. Eventually once I knew how to do the one thing, I could do it the other pretty easily. So you say, you know, you keep mentioning that you, you practice with your friends. Do you have a, a large playgroup that you test legacy decks with? Like, you have a gauntlet that you get to test with? Um, Kind of. The metagame at our store isn't really exactly what a tournament would be, like a larger tournament like Star City Games. Um, but I do get to play against a wide variety of decks. A lot of control, which is a tougher matchup for me, so it's good to test against it. Uh, what kind of control decks do you see the most at your store? Um, there's a lot of tempo, um, like Dreadnought decks, Dreadfill, a lot of counterbalance. Thought we have like a softer Planeswalker player. How many legacy events like the Star City Open have you been to? Actually, the Edison, as far as legacy events, uh, the Star City was my first Star City Games. Edison was the only one I've ever been to. I'm trying to go to a little more now. And um, I'd been, before that, I'd been to one other legacy event in um, Jupiter Games in Vestal, which I did okay at that. I made a lot of friends there. I kind of made my mark there. But I ended up not doing super great. And, um... Other than that, I haven't really played a lot of legacy events. I used to play a lot of standard events. Like, I used to go to states every year and PTQs and stuff. Do you uh, play a lot more standard events? I saw the only standard event that I could find online for you was a tournament in uh, Mawa, New Jersey. Is that correct? Um, yeah, that was actually 
one week after Edison. It was a TCG player qualifier. Um, I top aided and I played against my friend and I ended up beating him, but I actually scooped to him so he could go to top four because I didn't really care much about the invitation and we just split the prizes. It was like the first time I've ever actually like won money in a tournament outside of my game store. And that was with Red Deck Wins, right? Yeah, I had picked up the deck on like Friday and played it that Saturday. So talk to me a little bit about the difference between playing a deck like Red Deck Wins and Standard versus, you know, Combo and Legacy. How, you know, obviously you can play both and you did very well with Red Deck, but do you feel comfortable playing any type of deck? In Standard, I do have a good enough understanding of the format to really play any deck and play with it well enough. I may not do very great, but, um, cause I feel like Standard is just a lot of the same decks over and over again. Once you know how to play against those, you're good. Whereas, like, Storm in Legacy, there's a lot of different variations on Legacy decks. Um, like, just one tempo deck, you could be facing totally different things. So, I think um, Legacy takes a lot more knowing the format. Standard is a little easier, because once you identify you're playing against a certain deck, it's pretty easy to know most of the cards in the deck. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's a, there's a lot more net decking in Standard than there is in Legacy. So, speaking of which, how do you keep track of all the latest tech in Legacy? Do you read a lot of articles? Um, you know, do you talk with people at your store? Well, um, I just bought Star City Premium, so I've been reading that a lot. But it's mainly what I hear from my people at my store. And, um, like, what I read online, a lot of it, I just, like, if my friend tells me this is a new thing or what I get from watching Star City Games live. Do you think you're going to keep playing and tuning Ants, or is there another deck that you're interested in putting together? Uh, well, right now, I've, I'm just going to be sticking with um, Storm. I don't really have the money to start another Legacy deck, and if I wanted to, I would keep Storm together. So it would cost a lot of money to build another deck, and I really like Storm. I've gotten to know the deck pretty well. I think it's good in a lot of tournament settings. Um as far as tuning the deck goes, I haven't been doing a lot of tuning to it. I've just kind of been playing what my friend's list is and the list I've been playing since this Super Super got banned. But I think eventually some tuning will happen. So suppose you won a million dollars tomorrow. You could get, you could build any other deck you wanted. What would be the other deck you'd be interested in putting together? Like, what other deck interests you to play? Um, probably something more aggro, maybe like Zoo or something, because I'm not really a fan of Control. I played it at, like, Star City Games Standard. I didn't really like it. I like aggro and combo, so I'd probably try out Zoo or Cast or something. What do you think is the most overrated deck in Legacy right now? Like, what deck do you think people are playing that they really shouldn't be playing as much as they are? Um, probably Dredge. I think lately there's been a large resurgence in it, and I've seen a lot of it, a lot more of it lately at tournaments. I just don't think it's that good of a deck. It's really easy to hate out. And, like, in my opinion, Dredge is good for one week, and then after you do well with it, everyone starts hating it out, and you have to leave the deck aside for, like, a whole other month. Yeah. Well, speaking of hate and legacy, um, what process do you go through to decide what to put in your sideboard before a legacy event? Since, obviously, legacy has just so many cards available to you. Like, how do you try to evaluate the metagame and make decisions about your sideboard? Well, like, I can pretty much keep my sideboard the same, because it's usually the same hate at every tournament, no matter what deck they're playing. You see Ley Lines, Ethos One, Canadas, the Mind Break Trap are pretty much the biggest things I deal with. So it's usually the same thing. I have answers to all three of them. Um, 
my big trap, like, is really easy. I already have entered to that in my main board. I just silence them and I can't do anything. And, like, way about a Sanctity and Aetherstorm Cannon is I can just get around them. I can get around them pretty, like, sometimes easily or I have a lot of removal. And I have, I think, like, three or four different bounce spells in my sideboard, so I can just bounce the hate and if I can go off that turn. Okay. So, um... Storm is a complicated deck, and you feel like you have a, a pretty good grasp on that. Is there any deck that you sat down with in either Legacy or Standard where you tried to play with it, and just for whatever reason it didn't it didn't seem like a deck that, not necessarily that you couldn't understand, but that you just didn't feel comfortable playing? Um, It was probably Control, because I'd never, like I said, I'd never really been a fan of Control. I never really played it. And when I went to Edison, for a few weeks before that, I'd been testing the deck, and I just felt like I didn't actually like know how I'm supposed to play Control. Like, when's the right time to do certain things, or when's the right time to bluff, and I really didn't feel like I had a great understanding of the archetype. That's cool. I mean, I think that's a big thing for players to learn early, is, you know, what you feel comfortable playing. And, you know, you see a lot of people like um, Alex Bernsini playing the same Legacy deck over and over, and, you know, he keeps doing well with it, and I think it's because he understands it. And it's also a great deck for the the metagame. And that's pretty much why I think it's going to have a good understanding. I don't feel it's ever really horrible in the metagame. Sometimes it can be worse than other times. But I have a pretty good understanding of it, and I like it, so. So you play, you know, you play Standard and you play Legacy, which are both constructed formats. Do you like to play Limited at all? Um, yeah, I do Sunday drafts every week. I've actually been winning a few lately. Um, I, as far as, like, PTQs and Pro Tours and stuff like that, I don't really enjoy limited on that side because I just feel, especially in this in this set and this block, it's a lot based on the rares you open that defines your deck. It's not a lot of deck building skill, so um, I do enjoy limited, just not on a more professional level. I I like playing my Sunday drafts here at the store where it's a lot more friendly and we're all like it's all, we're all cool with each other and it's fine and there's no like too much competitiveness. So when you, since you are a new player, what limited sets have you had the uh, ability to draft since you started? Um, well, I did this. I actually I played like shards pre-release and I did conflict, but I actually stopped like coming to the store and stopped playing for like the last seven Leolar block. I like just wasn't playing then. I just stopped coming, and then I came back during Zendikar. I really like Zendikar. Um. I've had the ability to pretty much draft every set but Alara Reborn. So you like Zendikar. Zendikar seems to be a format that people either really liked or really disliked. What did you like about Zendikar? I felt the fact that, like, it wasn't the rares you opened. Like, there was a few cool bomb cards, like Vampire Night Elf was really good. But there wasn't anything that just said, oh, I open this, I win. Good job. There was, I felt that it was a lot more skill-intensive. Do you have a, a favorite card you like to draft in that set? Like a favorite non-rare? Like what was what was the common or uncommon you wanted to open the most? Besides Nighthawk, everyone wants to open Nighthawk. Um, as far as fun is concerned, I like drafting Keydron Crabs. <laughs> going to going mill. Yeah, especially when the um second set came out, um World Break, I really liked opening like Halmar Excavators, Keydron Crabs, Archive Crabs, and I liked Mill even though it was not that viable, but. Mill was what I played in standard during that time, so I like getting it during limited. 
What about in Rise? Rise was a set that you could build all kinds of wacky stuff depending on what you open. Did you have any fun uh, archetypes you liked in Rise? Um, I really like going out drowsy spawns. I thought that was like, pretty cool. Because you could take it a bunch of different directions. You could take, like, ramp into a big old drowsy. You could just overrun. I, I like drafting out drowsy spawns like red, green, or black, red. Um, Alright, so here's a question for you. I've been asking everybody this, but I th- always think it's interesting to hear what people say. What do you think is your favorite card ever? Not necessarily to play with, but, like, what's just your favorite card? Darklit Gargoyle. Oh, yeah? And why is that? Because that's one of the cards that actually won me my first two leaves that helped me get to second place. I just really love that card. I think it's, like, kind of flavorful, kind of cool. Just so, I, like, I feel like I'm doing a good job when I'm playing it. So, if I recall, that's the 1-1 one, one white flyer that gets plus 2, plus 1 for black? Is that correct? Yeah, it's, I, I don't remember the exact specifics. I think it's like a 1-1 one one, one or 1-2 one, flyer, and you could spend a black to give it plus 2, plus 1 until end of turn, and only use it once per turn. I really like that card, because I thought it could get a lot in, especially the, um, if your opponent didn't have flyers. So, you said that you like the flavor of it. How important is flavor to you? In a magic set, like does it does it matter to you or? It's not the biggest deal. Like if set doesn't have a lot of flavor, I'm still gonna play and I'm not gonna cry over it. But it's cool to like, especially because I like reading some of the books. I've only read one so far. I started the second one. It's cool to like be able to relate themes and know like what the cards mean in real world and relate them to the book. I think that's fun. But I'm not. If a set doesn't have flavor, I don't really complain too much. So what story have you liked the best so far? Um, Alara Unbroken. I actually thought that was a really good book and really well written. And I liked playing Alara and saying, oh, well, a Johnny Vengeance. I remember reading that in the story, and I really enjoyed that book. So what do you think? So I, I haven't read those books. What do you think is the best card that exemplifies the flavor? Like, what what card in the set matches the flavor of the book the best? Um, Probably like a Johnny or Nickel Bolt, like as a specific card, I think a Johnny. Um, but as like a bunch of cards, I think Nickel Bolas and then the fact like Rockamar and all his little minions that he had, I thought really went well with the book. Cool, that's awesome. I'm actually drawing a piece right now that has Nickel Bolas, Rockamar, and Malfagar in it. Yeah, Rockamar was my EDH channel, and that's around when I started reading the book. And... I didn't even know about her yet. I just liked her as a general. And I started playing, and I'm like, and I read the book, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. My EDH channel is in this book. So speaking of casual formats, so you, I guess you play EDH. Do you play anything else besides EDH? Um, on Moto, I play Popper. I play Storm on Popper also. <laughs> I, I really enjoy EDH. I think it's a fun format. It's a really wait, good way to make friends. Um, I, I don't like the people who, like, complain when you have, like, a deck that's a little more annoying, like people play more like control magic deck. I think either way, it's still just EDH, it's still fun. I don't complain if you're playing something that's neat, like that's really annoying, or whether or not. It's a fun format, I enjoy playing it. Do you prefer to play one-on-one, or do you like the big multiplayer brawls better? Um, I really like big, big multiplayers. Um, like five or six players in one game. I don't really like playing like three-player games, because I feel like people team up against one person. Um, so I, I like either, like, six players or 1v1s. I don't really like, like, in the middle. Do you have, uh, other generals besides Raka built, or is it just Rakamar right now? 
actually took her apart recently. I have one general bill, um, Tosimir Wolfblood, which I have, like, a super winning record with him. I think he's an amazing general as far as, like, play level is concerned. And I'm actually working on the second EDH deck, Rasheen Meanderer. I've been working on him for, like, a few weeks. I don't even remember what that card does. What what does that one do? It's a three and then a red or a green. Taps for four mana. You can only spend it on cost that include X. Oh, he's the giant from uh, Lorwyn Block, right? Yeah. So, um, so speaking of other cards from when you started, um, Planeswalkers were already out when you first started playing. So when you started the game, Planeswalkers already existed. Um, did you like them when you started? Was it easy for you to understand how they worked? Yeah, I picked it up pretty easily how they worked. I thought they were pretty cool. I thought they, like I said, flavor cool. I thought they added a little more flavor to the game. But I thought just the idea of Planeswalkers is kind of cool. Having like a card with different abilities. So, do you think it's um, it's funny because a lot of people started the game and Planeswalkers didn't exist, and then they got printed, and it was a big change. But as a new player and having them already there, did you even notice that they stand out to you? Oh, they were just like another card in the set that was a mythic rare that was cool to open. Um, I didn't think they made like the game crazy. I thought they were just part of the game. Cool. Do you have a lot of uh, friends at school that you play with? Like, do a lot of your friends play Magic, or are they not too into it? Actually, no one at my school plays Magic, except there's this one kid who just moved um, from a town right next to mine. He just moved in, and he tried it once. He didn't really like it when he was in, like, fourth grade. And um, another friend of mine, who I'm, he's pretty much like my best friend in school, I taught him how to play, like, he, he used to come over to my house all the time and, like, sleep over, and then the next day I'd say, well, I'm going to Target, and he'd be like, again, and he'd, like, sigh and say again, so I'm just like, well, why don't you come with me? And I taught him how to play Magic, and he picked it up kind of fast. He was a little, he wasn't the greatest, but he did pretty well. So, when people see you playing Magic or ask you about Magic, how do you explain it to people? Like, as far as what the game is? Yeah, like, you know, it, you know, like, if someone saw you play Monopoly, you know, you would have to explain to them how the game worked and what it was. You know, the same thing when people see you play Magic. Like, how do you go about trying to explain it to people? Um, I find the game as, like, actually, I feel like David Williams explained it well once on a poker show when somebody asked him what Magic was. Um, it's kind of like a chess game where you both start with uneven boards. Um, you both start with boards with the same power level, but they're not set up the same. And it's just kind of like you're each like, making a move and basing off what your opponent's doing or trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And um, and it's a pretty good game, fun fun to play. Um, it takes a lot of, like, once you start to get to higher levels, it takes a lot of thinking, a lot of skill. Yeah, that's, I actually think that's a pretty good, I think it's a pretty good description. I didn't, I've never heard that one before. I've, I've sometimes referred to it as a, either a game for smart people or a resource management game because I think in some ways you are just trying to balance all the different resources you have. Yep. Um, when you show a magic to people, do you think that the the setting of it, it being a fantasy setting, is a turn-off for people, or does that appeal to people, you think? Um, I think it really depends who you are. Some people, like when, especially when I was younger, I liked kind of being more non-fiction, kind of being more realistic. But I think the fact that it's based in a fantasy world will attract a lot of people because that means that you're not stuck to things that actually happen in life. 
and I think it makes the game a little more appealing. Yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's interesting because I think it gives them a lot more room to do stuff with cards. But I feel like sometimes people just always compare it to Dungeons and Dragons, which, besides it being a fantasy game, there's no real connection to yeah. a role playing game. Um, like Planeswalkers, if this game was a little more real life based, you couldn't really have things like Planeswalkers or a certain spell just couldn't exist. I think the fact that it's based on a fantasy world leaves them a lot of room for better design, gives them a lot. A lot more places to do cool things. Do you play any other card games still, or is it mostly just Magic now? Have you moved like exclusively to Magic? Um, Magic's my main focus. I tried a game called Legend of the Five Rings, which I really enjoyed, but like because of money issues, I kind of kept it to just Magic. Maybe when I have a little more money, I'll get back into that a little more. But right now, it's just Magic. So you are in school right now, which is. Pretty, you know, a pretty common thing for a lot of Magic players who are trying to, to be competitive. But how do you feel balancing school and playing works for you? Is it is it hard to get in as much time as you would like? Well, like as far as like homework stuff's concerned, school's not really a problem. I do. I'm always like on. I always get straight A's, even if for some reason I miss a homework. The teachers don't think it's a big deal. I get. I do fine in school. So as far as like time and stuff, it doesn't really affect it. The fact that, like, I want to go to a tournament on a Sunday, I have to be home earlier for, because it's a school night, kind of holds me back a little bit, and the fact that I can't really do anything during the week holds me back a little bit. But as far as, like, too much, I think it's not that big of a deal. But it, it does affect it a little bit. Do you feel like uh, any of the skills you've learned in school help you with magic, or vice versa, any of the skills you've learned in magic help you in school? Um, well, as far as school to magic, I, knowing math kind of helps, especially with the deck because I have to do a lot of, like, math and adding, just basic adding and subtracting. But, um, a lot of what I learned in magic, just a lot of thinking ahead and, um, just using, like, not common sense, but kind of, like, thinking what your opponent's going to do next and using, I guess, logical reasoning kind of helps me in school. Yeah. Do you feel, um, who do you feel has been the Magic player that you've learned the most from, either through watching them play, reading their articles, talking with them? Um, it's really, there's no one specific player who's taught me a lot. It's really just a combination of a bunch of players. I think my friend Jim, who's the Storm player that I learned from the most, has taught me a lot. Um, but other than that, it's just a bunch of, like, collective people. What do you think was the, the hardest good habit to learn when you first started playing Magic? Like, what do you think, what habit that you learned do you think has helped you play the best? Um, not really 100% sure about that, like, I think it just, like I said, a lot of different things, nothing really made the biggest impact, it's a bunch of little impacts. Do you have any examples of, of things like that? Um, just like learning, um, well, one skill that I learned that helped me do better magic is like how, and it helped me in life really, like making friends kind of. Like magic taught me how to make friends, which was very helpful. And, um, as far as like magic specifically, like actually playing the game, um, a good skill was to like just think ahead and always know what your opponent's doing. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Do you, um, Sorry, one second. Okay. 
What are your interests um, outside of Magic? Um, I enjoy baseball. I play golf with my dad every once in a while. Um, I enjoy math. I, I'm, like, really good with academics. I make sure I'm always getting good grades. And that's one of my bigger focuses outside of Magic is just making sure my grades are up, making sure I have a good future in academics and stuff like that. Um, and baseball, like I said, I spend a lot of time, like, I have two practices a day for, like, the school team and the town team. Um, and I just play a lot, like, I came to this interview from baseball practice. <laughs> what, what position do you play? Um, I enjoy pitcher, second base, and third base. Is your team, uh, comp- competing this year in, uh, anything beyond the, the school level? Like, you guys have, like, districts or anything like that? Um, well, my school team plays, like, certain other schools, like, in a district. Um, there's just a bunch of schools that are in our, um, district, I guess would be the right word, that we play against. And then my town team, we just, they set up games. They call every, they have, like, the summer, um, the Somerset County Baseball League, and they just talk to them about, like, well, what teams do you have this year? Well, when are we going to play them? But as far as, like, traveling to other states and stuff, we don't really do that. Do you think that traveling with baseball, does that appeal to you the same way that traveling for Magic would, or? Um, it's a little different. Like, traveling for baseball, I, like, when I'm playing against another baseball team, I don't really get to meet new people. I just kind of play against them. I don't really talk to them much. Whereas when I travel for Magic, I get to meet new people. Like, all my opponents I play against, all the different people I see. I get to explore new areas. Like, when I travel with baseball, I go to areas I've been before already. But when I travel with Magic, it's always, like, a cool new place. Like, I went to Brooklyn for a PCG player. I'd, I'd been there, like, once with my dad. I never really went to Brooklyn. Or when I went to Mawa, New Jersey, I went to my friend's college, which was right there. Um, You had mentioned earlier that you played miniatures. Is that something that you still do? Not really. I was kind of, when I got a little older and had a little more money and time, I was thinking of getting into Warhammer because my friend really wants me to. At one point when I was trying to explore new games, like, before I got to Magic, I tried Flames of War, which was like a World War II miniature game. Um, I liked it. I wasn't crazy about it. It was fun, but I didn't like, I felt I was spending, even though I really wasn't, I felt like I was spending a lot more money just because I'd have to spend $40 for one thing as opposed to $5 for a pack of Magic cards. Yeah, I was always interested in trying out miniatures, but like you, I was kind of put off by the price of it. How is the gaming experience for you? Like, how would you compare it to Magic? Um, because I didn't really play miniatures a lot, I didn't really get a lot of the skill from it, so I do realize there's a lot of skill involved. Um, like, when I play Magic, because I know the game well, like, I always feel like I have to be ready and pay attention and, like, think ahead. Whereas with miniatures, I don't, like, get a lot of the skill from it as... Even though I know there is some, I just feel like I'm moving things around a table with a tape measure and then pretending to shoot things. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of measuring. So you you seem like you're pretty focused on your school and academics. Do you have any goals for college? Like, do you think you know what you want to do in college? Um. Well, obviously this can change because I'm still like in eighth grade. But there's two major fo- jobs I've been looking into that I really enjoy. Forensic pathology, which is, like, where you're in the CSI and you take, um, like, all the bodies and you figure out how people died. And um, the other thing is, like, some form of rocket science. Um, I really enjoy, like, space and theories in space and, like, 
life on other planets and how this planet got here. So how did you get uh, interested in forensic pathology? Is that from just from, like, reading, from TV shows? Like, how did you find out about that? Well, like, it, it started with, like, just watching CSI with my dad and was a while with my mom. And I thought, I, I like, like the jobs that people did on there. And the one guy who got to figure out how people died. Because I kind of, like, enjoy how the body works and stuff. And I think in that sense, it's pretty cool. And you have to have a lot of knowledge and process of elimination and stuff. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a pretty cool, like, leap from, like, problem-solving and magic to problem-solving, you know, trying to figure out a crime scene. Because I really enjoy problem-solving. I think it's a great skill. It's, like, one of, another thing magic has taught me a little bit. And it, I, I really enjoy, like, how the human body works in catching criminals and stuff. So have you... Have you focused any any of your studies towards you know getting ready for that? Like, is there a, a particular subject or skill that you need you feel you need to brush up on more to be ready to do that? Just mainly like science is like I, I enjoy science, but um, those specific skills like I I need to work on understanding the human body a little more, but that'll all come in time eventually. What is your science right now? Like at the level of school you're in, is it biology? Um, we are, right now we are doing the five kingdoms of life, so it's kind of like biology, but we're exploring, like, bacteria, and we're exploring animals, and we're exploring plants, and, um, at this specific point in time, we're exploring digestion in the human body, so it's like an introduction to biology, kind of. So is there anything that you've learned in school in the last year that has, um, that has appealed to you more than you thought it was? Like, is there a subject that you've had recently that you liked more than you thought or something you learned about that you weren't exactly sure you were going to be into, but you got really into? Um, natural disasters. We learned that, um, two years ago in science. I, like, thought I, it might be cool. It's cooler than some of the other things you can learn in science. But I didn't think I would be crazy about it. But as we started getting a little more into it, and I started to discover, like, not just the basic earthquake and tornado, there's other, like, different things that can happen. I got really into that and really enjoyed it. Cool. So um, I have actually uh, just a few more questions for you uh, that are a little bit more magic-related. Um, do you feel like there's any changes that Wizards needs to make towards the game? Like, is there anything that you would like to see changed about the game? Um, I really just think that they need to regulate how they fight things. Like, I like how they do sets now where they try to focus a little more on limited and, like, they don't make every card amazing. But I think they the way they make certain specific mythic rares good, not only, like, as far as price and expensive, because I don't have a lot of money to spend, also the fact that, well, I open this card in draft, look, I win. I think they need to change that a little bit and make it so either, like, there's a good chance everybody will get one of those cards or nobody gets them. Yeah. Or Maybe occasionally I'm okay. I'm okay if there's like one card in a whole set that maybe is pretty good, but I don't like cards that I opened it, I lose, or my opponent opened it, I lose, I can't win. So do you think cards like Jace are just too expensive? Is that is that what you're kind of talking about? Yeah, like they need to fix that. Like Jace costing a hundred dollars, I can't afford that. I have to borrow what I can get. So it that's what one of the reasons I really don't like standard because it's run by hundred dollar cards. So I, I'd prefer if they tried to fix that a little bit, however they can. So do you think, um, you know, what do you think would be a good solution? Do you think they should reprint cards more often, or do you think that they should just try to 
because, you know, Wizards has said many times before that they don't really have a way to control the secondary market. Well, I think what they can do is focus, like, a little more on um, power levels, because they do have a research and development who's supposed to be testing this stuff, and when it's, it's surprising when they don't catch things like Jade, just how good it is, and they should figure, well, this card's really good, it's going to be worth a lot of money. I, I'm just surprised they're not catching that as much as they should. So, um, you've played in some Star City events. Do you feel that Wizards should be supporting Legacy the way that um, Star City has been supporting Legacy? Yeah, I think it would help if they did a little more Legacy stuff, because right, I, I enjoy Legacy more than Standard, but like half the tournaments I go to, because I still like going to tournaments, is Standard, and I, I think Wizards should support Legacy a little more. Like, I'm going to the GP for Legacy in May, and I just wish they did a lot more things like that. Do you think that they don't because they want to support Standard more than Legacy, or do you think that it's just hard to get players interested in a format with so many hard-to-find cards? I think they mainly do it because they like the money, because they realize they don't see a lot of money from Legacy, because Legacy, you're not constantly buying packs. Legacy, you're doing a lot of trading, you're doing a lot of buying off, like, websites and stuff. So I think they support Standard a lot more just because that's their way of making money. The best, like, limited and Standard, that's how they make their money, so. So do you follow, um, like, speculation sites, like, on, like, Salvation? Like, do you get involved in the forums with, like, trying to figure out what's going to come out in the new sets, anything like that? I like to read them. I don't really get involved too much. I, like, I'm, I'm not a person who cares too much about what's going to happen, like, in the future. Um, I just like to... Like, have an understanding, but I'm not going to overload, well, I need to know what's going to happen um, a week from now. I, I like to just kind of go with the flow. So I, I like to read them. I like to see what people think, see what ideas are cool might actually happen. But other than that, I don't really get involved too much of, like, posting what I think is going to happen or all that stuff. Like, before a pre-release, do you read the spoiler for that set that you're about to go to, or do you like to be surprised? Like, I always read the spoiler. I like to know what the cards are, but it, I feel like it kind of gives me an edge, too, because I know I've been, like, I keep up with the spoilers whenever, like, every day after school I check just to see if any new cards were um, released. Um, it's, I think it gives a little, like, of an edge in the tournaments because I have ideas for throwing strategies. Plus, I like, because I like building random standard decks that aren't actually that good but are fun. So I like keeping up with the spoilers. Like, before Scars of Mirrodin came out, I started, like, I was already growing a mirror deck, and then as new cool things I wanted to add in got spoiled, I added them in. Um, do you have a, do you have a guess as to who's going to win, Frexia or Mirrodin? Um, I actually think Frexian is going to win for two main reasons. One of those reasons is that, obviously, the next sword, if it's released in the next set, some people don't think it's going to be, but they've pretty much released that it is going to be is pro-red, pro-white, which is mirroring colors. So now that something has protection from mirroring colors, I think that'll help the pressing in the war. And also, like, they've released the name and kind of, like, the art for the title of the next set. And it just looks like kind of like a dark set. And I think the Frexian are getting a bit of a resurgence. And we're going to start seeing them in a lot more sets. So I feel like it would be also weird flavor-wise if they brought the Frexian back for one set and they didn't keep them going a little more. Yeah. Who do you think is a, a better villain for Magic, the Eldrazi or Frexia? Um, I really think Frexia just because of the history they've had. Uh, I think it's more related to Magic. Like, the Eldrazi were, like, kind of like a one-time thing. And 
they have a cool story behind them, but it's not that awesome. And they're just big creatures, so nothing. Like, the Frex here are actually like an army of evil people trying to overrun the magic world. Right. So you said that the uh, the, the art looks dark for the next set, so you're talking about Innistrad? Yeah, it just looks like the name and, like, the art of the title just looks kind of like a darkish overrun, like, vampire prep game kind of place. So obviously we all, all we really know is the name and that picture, but I was hoping based on that picture and the fact that Richard Garfield worked on it that it would be another Graveyard Matters set. Is there anything that you would like to see out of it, that the new set? Like, is there anything you're hoping they have in there, like, um, mechanically? I think mechanically Graveyard Matters stuff would be pretty cool, and I think they're actually going to start exploring stuff like that just because, um, like, they've started bring, they brought back artifact sets, and there's not a whole lot of new ideas they can do that would be that awesome. I think a set based around Graveyard would be pretty cool because I think it would affect not just Standard, but it would affect other formats too, like Legacy. Maybe they'll have like a few new cards for Dredge and that might be cool. And I think the idea of a Graveyard set would be pretty good. Okay, and last question. Uh, this is one, one more speculation. What would you like to see in uh, uh, M12? Like uh, the, the new core set? I'd like to see new planeswalkers. Like, I, Baby Jace would be fine. I really don't want them to reprint um, um, the Mind Sculptor. But new planeswalkers would be cool. They haven't done a new Liliana at all. They haven't done a new Gera. I, I think I'd really like to see a new Liliana and a new Gera. Not just the same old planeswalkers we've had for, like, the past four years. Yeah, well, I'm hoping for a new Liliana, and it seems like Innistrad's probably the perfect place for her since she's she's in the artwork. Do you think that um, Liliana didn't see enough play because she costed five? People people have this idea that, you know, you have to cost four or less to be playable, although I guess Gideon kind of ruins that argument. Um, I think it's mainly one because of her colors. Black isn't a very heavily played color, and in black, there's real no crazy ways to abuse her. Like, her ultimate ability is kind of cool. You can do things with that. But there's no way, like crazy ways to manipulate manipulate what's gonna get into your graveyard that easily, except for like Pawn Shaman and milling yourself. Like you have a new standard deck that's our based on milling myself. It's like kind of a new version of Dreadvine. But um I like I think it was the fact that she couldn't really be abused. Her tutor ability was cool, but it was either you pick tutoring like a few cards or going for her ultimate. And there's nothing amazing. Like at least in Legacy and stuff, tutors are good because you're trying to combo, or there's a lot more situational cards. Whereas in standard, tutoring is not as amazing because there's not cool combo pieces you want to find, and there's not, um, like a lot of crazy utility things you can get. Cool. Well, AJ, this is about the end for me here. So I got to wrap things up, but is there any place online that people can follow you if they're interested in, in learning more about you? Like, are you on Twitter, or do you have a blog or anything? Um, not really. I have a Facebook. Um, I accept any friend requests. Since the Star City Games, I've been getting, like, 30 friend requests a day from people I even know that just play Magic. But um, I don't really care. I'll, I'll accept any friend requests. Um, I think you can. I'm uh, pretty soon going to be starting... For Star City Games, I'm going to be doing videos for Epic Storm on Star City Games, so you can watch those. I'll be playing with my Legacy deck on Magic Online with the Star City accounts, and you can watch there once they get up. 
and once I start doing them, which should be pretty soon. That's awesome. I didn't know you were doing that. That sounds really cool. Yep. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show, AJ. It was great to talk with you. Yep, it was fun to get interviewed and talk to you. All right, cool. Well, thanks so much for being on. Um, I will let you know how this turns out. I'm going to try to go over it in editing and see if I can clean up the sound some, and hopefully it'll be okay. Yep, I wish you the best. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, AJ. Okay, thank you. Right. Bye.